Lauren Saban. That is us. going to be part of the conversation here at 800 222 We're going to take your calls at the bottom of the hour, but right now we are going to speak with Dr. Bonner Cohen, Senior Fellow at the National Center for Public Policy Research. And Dr. Cohen, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much for having me. So we're, we're a little confused about um, what might have been done in terms of wildlife and uh, forestry management to have maybe impacted on the potential for these fires, and by the same token, we're interested in what can be done right. to reduce the risk going forward. Uh, what is uh, really sad is that California is yet again going through another disastrous series of wildfires. Now, given California's climate, uh, which is arid, and in some cases it's, it's a desert climate, yeah. And given that California is subject to very strong winds, Santa Ana in the south and Diablo in the north, uh, we're going to have fires. It's simply going to happen. Someone's going to be careless with a cigarette, careless at the campfire. There's going to be a light. Your utility strike. company doesn't do enough maintenance. Your utility right. company that drops the ball, whatever the, or all of the above, actually. Whatever the case may be, uh, there's going to be trouble. And given uh, the California's enormous population, you're going to have an awful lot of uh, people uh, exposed to this. So the question arises, what have officials in California, beginning with the governor and working their way on down to the General Assembly, done over the years to properly prepare California for a disaster that they knew was going to happen? Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, I, I think the, uh, the answer to that question is practically nothing. Uh, a couple of examples. Um, given the uh, fact that we know that... Uh, Our national forests, for instance, are very poorly managed, have been for decades. Why? Uh, uh, Yes, because around 40 years ago, uh, we started adopting policies uh, that gradually led to the uh, no more removal of dead and diseased trees. We wanted to, uh, in the spirit of modern environmentalism, we wanted to have natural growth. Well, the problem with that is that we have forests, not just in California, but elsewhere in the West, wherever you have really national forests, they are hopelessly overgrown. And and that's resulting, in my understanding, into large kills as well, large swaths Uh, of tree death. Uh, that's exactly right, because mm. if you, the more trees you have, the easier it is for diseases right. uh, caused by beetles and what have you uh, to infect one tree after the other. Well, any sensible forest manager, uh, and we have a lot of uh, forestry in this country, in fact, most of it is actually in private hands, would spot dead and diseased trees and immediately remove them. Uh, it was the policy of the Forest Service for many decades to do just that. However, that was that was reversed over time, particularly in the, actually in the 1990s under the Clinton administration. And lo and behold, uh, the forests became tinder boxes, uh, not just in California but elsewhere in the West. And that's why we have had one of the main reasons, anyway, why we've had such catastrophic fires. We were going to have fires anyway, and actually yeah. to a certain extent. Forest fires are a healthy thing because they tend to take out the underbrush right. 
and take out uh, the, the trees that, that are already good, already uh, diseased. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's simply that's Mother Nature's forest right. management, and right. it also can be the, the, the proper forest management of, of a landowner. But the U.S. Forest Service did not do that. Now, why hasn't Governor Brown, uh, instead of railing against climate change, uh, demanded uh, that we take additional steps uh, to ensure that our forests are as healthy as they can possibly be? The, the, The record will show that he has conspicuously failed to do so. The record will also show that another federal statute, the Endangered Species Act, uh, as a result of that, a tremendous amount of California's water is wasted in an utterly futile effort to save uh, the Delta smelt. This is a tiny right. fish. We, and we now, don't have any water. We, we have no way to store water. That's, in this. that's exactly right. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a minute. Oh, sorry. But the, but, <laughs> Didn't mean to jump ahead. But the, but the del- marine biologists will tell you the Delta smelt, for a whole variety of reasons, has reached the point where it's beyond the point of no return. It's just going to ha- have to go its way, as have countless other species, uh, plants, animals, what have you, have gone in the past. Uh, but millions of gallons of water, a very precious commodity in California, are wasted in an utterly futile effort to do this. Now, why hasn't Governor Brown called on Congress uh, to enact reforms to the Endangered Species Act that will, will, will keep, keep such nonsense from happening. And so you, you, can, you can go down uh, uh, the list of all the things that could be done to properly prepare uh, the, uh, the people of California uh, to, to, uh, to, to limit the damage that we know is going to happen simply given uh, the environment that California has, uh, the very low humidity, uh, the high winds. Uh, we, can't keep, we can't keep forest fires from happening, but we can certainly limit the damage they do both to the forest and, of course, uh, scores of people have been killed in the current onslaught. Uh, that all didn't have to happen. There was going to be damage. There was probably also going to be loss of life, but it did not have to happen right. like this. Doctor, uh, we're talking to Dr. Bonner Cohen. He's a fellow senior with the National Center for Public Policy Research. And I, I don't know if you heard the press conference today where the governor spoke, um, as well as the um, Secretary of the Interior, and they said that uh, places like Paradise, California, will look much different once they're rebuilt. Are you concerned about... Um, the way development has gone here in California, perhaps not taking into account our... And, and I would add to that, is the governor singing a new tune? If you could please answer both those. Uh, yes. Uh, it really depends if there's going to be a new uh, a Paris, uh, a Paradise, California. It's going to be the same song, 13th, 14th, 15th verse unless policies change in California. You can go back, you can rebuild, people can move back into their homes if they happen to survive, or they will build build new homes. But if the same policies are in place at the state and federal level, the new uh, Paradise California and surrounding communities are going to be every bit as vulnerable in the future as they are now. The... um, well, and, and you have a second second question. The governor is that is this is he is he 
Is he turning? Is he changing? Is he going to change his? Program? No, I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe so. In fact, if, if anything, he appears to be getting worse because he's going to be leaving office in six months. And instead of taking some responsibility uh, for the policies he helped put in place or he did nothing to change, he is simply blaming our global warming, now known as climate change, for all of California's ills. The irony in that is that the climate is doing exactly what one would expect the climate in California to do. Uh, namely, it's dry. Uh, it's 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 the end, and the summer is over. End of the fall. Uh, typically in California, particularly in Southern California, but occasionally also in Northern California, this is the fire season. This is this this is when things happen. Uh, again, he has been very remiss in taking responsibility and taking measures to reduce the damage, and instead is simply blaming blaming others for his own shortcomings. Mm. And so I don't see this man changing at all, and I, it will be very interesting to see if uh, Governor Newsom, yeah. uh, when, when he's inaugurated in January, adopts uh, new policies. Given what he has said uh, on, on, on the campaign stuff, I seriously doubt it. It's just, I think I, he's I, part of the same mindset that, that yeah. Governor Brown has. As, as a native Southern Californian, I, I you know, remember the bulldozers always up all the time, cutting fire you know breaks and uh, the yes, backfires. Exactly. And it just, it was all the time, right. and then it just stopped, and it then the stopped. fires got yeah. worse. Shocking. And these, these people are doing uh, are stopping all of that in the name of, ironically, protecting the environment. We'll go out and take a look at uh, the damage that has taken place to the environment, whether it's grasslands, chaparral, uh, the forest, not to mention the homes and all of that, the environmental policies that they have embraced are the very environmental policies that have promoted the, the disaster that you people have to live with. All right. So if you were a uh, fire czar in California, do you think, have things gone too far, or do we have the potential to sort of dial things back into a more manageable Oh, I, th I think very definitely you could dial things back to more manageable things. You mentioned um, the fire breaks, yeah. uh, the uh, the burning of, of a forest, the controlled the burning. Yeah. Yeah, i got to yeah. be very careful about that. You have to watch yeah. the wind. Uh, but if the wind is low, you can do these kinds of things. You can remove dead and diseased trees. You can stop wasting uh, the precious commodity of water uh, by by ceasing efforts to save a fish that cannot cannot be saved under the Endangered Species Act. There are steps that can be taken. If you look at the uh, the history of, of, of California's climate, the climatological record, uh, which Governor Brown, I don't believe, has ever bothered to do, he would see that, yes, we've had uh, tremendous uh, uh, droughts in the past, and some of them very severe. This is nothing new at all. But in the past, A, the population was lower than it is now, and B, uh, there were policies in place for many decades that limited the damage. And you, you mentioned the the, uh, the fact that so many people now are exposed to this, that's in, in, in no small part because a lot of these people can't afford to live in expensive urban and suburban areas. Right, we move out. Yeah. Los Angeles, 
and uh, uh, San Francisco, the price of housing there is astronomical. Well, there's there's well, universal uh, agreement about that part. <laughs> right. yeah. So where sees. can people who, exactly. can, who are not on, on the payroll of Silicon Valley yeah. uh, and, people, and the hedge fund people and all that, where, where are they supposed to live? Well, they That was one of the reasons Paradise was so inviting to people, the I'm cost sure. of living. Yeah. It, was, it was by California standards, and I'm, I'm in Washington, D.C., or, or in Arlington, Virginia, which is also very high-end, <laughs> ridiculously high wait till Wait forward. till Amazon gets there, my friend. It's going to oh, get a lot I worse. Know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, now, my, 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 the value of my condo will go up. That's oh, big. yes. So, so, so will my property tax. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, right. Now, you, you, you may personally benefit. Poor, de- poor devil who has to buy here now. I, I yeah. bought a few years ago. But we have. But but uh, where you are, you have people who have fled not yeah. just the urban areas, but the suburban areas. They can't even afford to live there anymore. So they have to move into these areas that are subject to to fires. And thanks to a, a set of policies at the federal and state level that have been in place far too long. Uh, they are extremely vulnerable to what Mother Nature or some careless person with a cigarette or, or campfire or yeah. whatever serves up. Doctor, I, I have to ask you before we let you go, uh, have you ever done radio? Because oh, I know. you have I was such thinking a wonderful the same thing. voice. I could really listen to you all <laughs> after. I, 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 I was thinking the same where, thing. I, I don't know where the voice came from. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you. We, I just thought, oh, please keep talking. I, could I know. I can listen to you all after. Come with me and read me some. Thank you very much. It's a little deeper than most. But, yeah, but, there's a, but also the way you express yourself and the rhythm and stuff is quite quite nice, quite appealing. <laughs> I do a lot of, of, of talk radio interviews, so I'm uh, fairly... I'm fairly <laughs> so there you go. There well, you have it. Uh, we, we admire it. Uh, one last thing. We spoke to a forestry expert, a retired professor from Texas A&M, who said he was in paradise about a year ago, and he warned them that there would be a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And now he's deeply, you know, feeling deeply guilty, and, and you know, he's, a, he's plagued by this that there was nothing he could have done to save these people, and he predicted real trouble, and lo and behold, it has come. And I don't understand why we can't hold people really more significantly, their hands to the fire, hold them personally accountable for making decisions that harm people. If I would lost family in that fire, I would be beside myself trying to figure out ways to do that because I wouldn't want anyone else to go through this. You know, it's absolutely amazing to see the people who are responsible for the policies uh, that have enabled a tragedy such as California is experiencing now to happen, completely walk away from any responsibility whatsoever. Yeah. Instead, pointing the fingers at others, uh, climate deniers, according to uh, our Governor Brown, and, and, and other villains. Uh, and uh, it is a, as a matter of fact, they're the ones in charge. These people are the ones who are managing California's resources, and look what an absolute horrible mess they have made of it. Yeah, I wish and this so, were the only mess, my friend. Uh, you're, you're yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, we got we have many messes to deal with in California, <laughs> and uh, we, this is just our latest one, and it's been uh, and resulted in real tragedy. And, and there are others to come, I'm sure, as a result of uh, really, you know, I, I I'm not going to get into it. I, I rail against the infectious disease potential that's going to come in urban oh, areas because. Will. Oh yeah, it's coming. It's oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I get, I get another warning that will not be heated, just like correct. The yeah, until it's too late. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Right, I, exactly. I, I have said, uh, Doctor Cohen, that the word Yersinia pestis lives on rats. The rats live with us. The plague is coming. That's just the way. It it goes. That's exactly right. That's the way it goes. All right, my friend. Is there a website or anything you'd like to send people to? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, please uh, uh, check out our website, nationalcenter.org. There you go. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you. Thank All you, right, Dr. we're going to go back to your calls at 800-222-5222. It's Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew. This is Midday Live. KBC has dependable traffic when you need it the most, and it's sponsored by Stater Brothers, southbound side of the 110. Connect the road to the southbound side of the 5. It was an earlier crash. Everything cleared a little while ago and west 105 at around Nash. Also be aware of an accident, and that's in the right lane. It's already busy leaving the 405 interchange, so we'll talk heading north to the airport. Southbound side of the 710, right at Delamo, scene of a disabled vehicle, already backing up here toward the 91. The westbound side of the 60 freeway at around Diamond Bar Boulevard. It's an earlier crash. Everything on the right shoulder, but finding delays coming up from Reservoir. And South 55 McFadden, an accident now clearing from lanes. Stater Brothers 40% off wine sale is happening now, and it's a great time to stock up or try something new. Get 40% off all 750 milliliter bottles of wine or champagne when you buy six or more Stater Brothers, where you always get more for less. I'm Rhonda Kramer, Talk Radio 790 KBC. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew, Midday Live. We have some calls at 800-222-5222. Barbara, go ahead. Hello. So um, my father was an executive of a lumber mill and died in 95. And when he died, he said, our forests are in trouble. They're not being taken care of, and we're going to have awful fires. And he said he was so frustrated. He was 90 when he died. Wow. And he said, I can't fix this. And, you know, I, when this started happening, my whole heart just went, oh, my God. He told us then. But I didn't do anything either. You know, I didn't go push any buttons or yell and scream. So sometimes you got to do that. So that's all I got to say. Well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I I love that you're feeling that your voice would have been made a difference, but I'm not so sure. I, I'm glad you're here and I speaking up now. I think there were a now. lot of people like your father that said the same thing. I, I think well, we've yeah. all been a, a well, little took, bit. Go ahead. They took, care, they took care of the timber in the 20s. They took care of the timbers 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. The end of the 80s, things started to shift, and then the different decisions were being made for different reasons other than the forest. That's you know, where it shifted. That's right. And, that, they did trimming. They were thoughtful. They didn't have beetle bugs. They didn't do anything because they took care of the forest. Right. Thank you, Barb, for that comment. And, and Lauren, yeah. d- doesn't it remind you of just generally how our state has gone too far in so many things? Like, they, like oh, yes, it's good, the environmental protection and good. You want But at the cost of something else. But you've gone just too like far. Just like we want to save this smelt at the cost of, you know, not saving water, <laughs> not it's, storing it's an, water. It's an imbalance. It's yes. an imbalance. Yeah. And, and it, it's same thing with the, the, the homeless situation that I keep pointing at. It's, it's just the, the balance. You, you've got the balance wrong. You've got your heart in the right place. Yes, I want to do all those priorities, too. It has real consequences. Just like with transportation. We want everybody out of their cars. You can't just change decades. You know, you built a city around transportation via car. You can't change that overnight by creating bike lanes, forcible bike lanes. You're going too far, and and it's literally killing us. You've gone too far, and it's, I feel like our, like they're, not at our neck. They're just like, they're like our, they're on top of us, and and we need them to, restore the balance a little bit move back the other way and i i kind of thought i heard jerry brown using some rhetoric that suggested that this morning i, I don't know maybe it's hope wishful thinking 
Uh, but I, I don't care which party does it. I really don't care. Just please. It, it's it's great. But if you stay ideological, you will cause consequences for humans that will be untoward and regretful. Yeah. We're going to take your calls. 800-222-5222. Laura and I are going to re- rekindle that conversation about nationalism and patriotism and get back into that. It's Lawrence Vaughn and Dr. Drew. This is Midday Live. KABC News is live and local at 2.30. I'm Jeff Whittle, and California's outgoing governor surveyed the destruction left behind by the Woolsey fire today. As that blaze continues to burn brush here in Los Angeles and Ventura counties. Governor Brown calls the extreme fire conditions we're seeing right now the new abnormal. We're going to have to manage our forests better. We're going to have to build our cities more smartly. Uh, We're going to have to build shelters so that people can uh, escape when these terrible fires get out of hand. And yes, we're going to have to deal with climate change. He says California has to enact new plans to prevent the loss of life and property, improvements that will cost tens of billions of dollars. Brown was accompanied by U.S. Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, who promised continued support and relief from the federal government. James Rojas, KABC News. Thousands of mourners, including many law enforcement officers from up and down the Golden State, attended today's funeral service in Westlake Village for Ventura County Sheriff Sergeant Ron Helis, one of the 12 innocent people who were killed in last week's shooting spree at the Borderline Bar and Grill in Thousand Oaks. Uh, The deadline has passed for every Florida county to submit the results of its machine recount for the Sunshine State's governors and Senate races. Palm Beach County did not meet the deadline as expected. Now, the unofficial election results show that Republican Ron DeSantis defeated Democrat Andrew Gillum in the governor's race after the machine recount, but the U.S. Senate race between incumbent Democrat Bill Nelson and termed-out Florida Governor Rick Scott is likely headed now to a hand recount. That's because Florida law uh, requires a hand recount of races within margins of one-quarter of one percent or less. Covered California trying to get residents to sign up for health insurance. A 10-day, 23-stop bus tour hit Riverside yesterday with a dance crew performing next to the vehicle. They're getting the word out that people have until December 15th to sign up with Covered California for health insurance. Randy Fuller, NBC News Radio. Talk Radio 790K ABC Sports. Well, the Clippers will host the San Antonio Spurs at 7.30 tonight at Staples Center. While the Seattle Seahawks host the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football. And that sports on 790K ABC. Traffic, a market check, weather, and more. Dr. Drew Midday Live next. KABC News Time 232. Here's your 790K ABC market check. And it was a good day on Wall Street with the Dow climbing 208 points. The S&P 500 rose 28 points, and the Nasdaq added 122 points to its total. KABC SoCal weather, it'll be sunny the rest of the day. Mild highs in the 70s near the coast, 80 expected downtown and in the valleys, with little change in temperatures expected for tomorrow. And right now it's 80 degrees in Downey, it's 79 in Lake Forest and 78 in Sun Valley. If you would like to help the many victims of our fires, Text a donation to the Red Cross at 90999 or go to kabc.com. I'm Jeff Whittle, 790-KABC News. There's no room for compromise when you're making a quality shake, and that's why In-N-Out uses real ice cream to make a shake that's refreshingly rich and deliciously smooth. 
pure and simple. That's dedication to quality that you can taste. KABC News is sponsored by In-N-Out Burger. 790 KBC welcomes Jim Gaffigan, quality time tour to the Long Beach Terrace Theater, May 19th. I was with a friend last week. I was like, you want to get a donut? He was like, I'm not hungry. I'm like, what does that have to do with it? Call number seven will win these tickets furnished by Live Nation. Call number seven at 800-222-5222. See Jim Gaffigan, quality time tour at the Long Beach Terrace Theater, May 19th. Lawrence Fonda, Jim, Midday Live. Let's go out and take a quick call here. Uh, Adrian, you'll make a comment. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. am I on? You sure you are. You sure are. Okay. Good afternoon, Dr. Drew. Uh, so what I'm really hearing is that, for example, on the pr- uh, previous call, we've got a whole generation that wanted to, quote, unquote, manage the forest. We saw what that was like. That was clear-cutting. Clear-cutting would completely erode the entire forest. The fact that we actually have forests to burn is the conversation that we're really in. And get out of your car, get out of the oil business, get out of the fossil fuel industry, get okay, out of so, the coal so, industry. So Adrian, Adrian, if, if, yeah. like, even if we had the most, if every nation on earth adopted the purpose, yeah. the perfect energy policy, we would still be in the same situation. And so Absolutely. we have to figure that out. We have to figure that out. Now, we yeah. can definitely manage those forests in a different way where sure. we could thin, but the, the logging companies will repeatedly say they don't want to do that, and that's not going to work. And by well, the way, we're well, in By the way, down here, wait, hang on a second. I, maybe up north, yeah. I don't know up north, down in Southern California, we don't have logging. That's not absolutely. the issue Yeah, at well, all. you're just talking about scrub and, you know, yeah. Um, brush. Yeah, Chaparral. so Absolutely. And my father just lost his house last year in the Napa so, fire. Awful. And so we're re- going through the whole rebuilding thing. And, and uh, so, look, it's a complex conversation. Yes. If we, if we continue the CO2 into the air, there's no doubt about it. The wind will blow faster and harder and rivers of fire are going to continue. And that's what we saw in Napa. Well, and we have to now deal with that. I think you're absolutely correct. We have to figure out how to manage that, given that new reality. Thank you, uh, Adrian, for that call. I, I want to switch gears a little bit, and we want to have that conversation about nationalism because I woke up troubled about it. <laughs> uh, I, I just was troubled that it had such emotional – the word has suddenly become emotionally salient, you know, where people are hurt by it. And that was uh, stunning to me to think about. And so let me give you a little bit about the etymology of the word. In 1844, it was was considered devotion to one's country, national spirit or aspirations. That was what happened in World War I. There was the black hand nationalists and a desire for national unity or independence. That was the original meaning of the word. Then it became a doctrine advocating nationalization. Well, that's a whole different thing. It became a doctrine of divine election of nations, uh, and then I sent you an article, Lauren, yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of chronicling the history of how it became more of, Teddy Roosevelt called it the national need to, wait, to put the national need before the sectional or personal advantages. So it's essentially what John F. Kennedy was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it became sort of more sort of onerous in the age of Brexit, where uh, people sort of started thinking about nationalism as a nation's self-interest Above all others. Uber Alice, and I'm using that word, I'm using that intentionally to spark emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Uber Alice is uh, sort of the German call, right? Uh, And and then suddenly it became white nationalism. Very, very suddenly the people that I used to call skinheads started identifying themselves as such. And I think that's where the offense started coming into this. Am am I right? Yeah. I mean, it's the, the... 
the I, I don't know how to explain it, but the feeling that I always got is uh, patriotism is less harmless and nationalism more sinister in nature. Okay. I, I, and so th then there's that issue, which is... is Because so nationalism think, in its extreme forms, um, as as I think the article you sent me says, it you know has led to genocide, the Holocaust, and even yes, Bosnia in the 90s. Yeah, so... Right. It led to bad things. And, and patriotism, generally not? No. That, yeah. So, so, but, but unfortunately, I think we've conflated patriotism and, and nationalism in a lot of people's minds. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and that goes back to what we were saying yesterday yeah. about um, the the word patriotism has kind of been co-opted by the Republicans or the right as their patriots, and that the left is is not because they are only pointing out problems with our right. country. But and, and by you and I just kind of thinking about things, we can we kind of see the path and where it's been and where the... But my question to our listeners is, why do we... Why are we so overcome by words? We, we like, words are like... We're like preoccupied. And there have been, again, periods of history where language has been controlled and it's it's always had a well, certain Well, we're in kind one of, of those periods now. I know. Well, it's We're just sanitizing done, our language to the usually, point where we can't even... That's right. It's usually been done by governments, to be fair, or, or political right. groups, but it's being done by the mob now. And, the and politically it, correct mob, which... What does it mean? 800-222-5222. Give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. It's Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew. This is Midday Live. Talk Radio 790. KABC. I got a dial tone. If you'd like to make a call. Dial 800-222-5222 because the KABC phone lines are open. Every once in a while, bam! Something happens and you need money fast. Well, Loan Me can loan you from $2,600 to $100,000. And the money can be in your bank account in hours. That's right. And since our loans are unsecured, we don't need your car title or any other collateral. Just your signature. Because we trust you, even if you have less than perfect credit. Sure, the money's a little expensive, but it's a lot cheaper than a payday loan. And you make just one fixed payment every month. And to keep interest expense down, use the money to get out of the jam you're in and then pay it back at any time with no penalties or fees. So take five minutes and call 8443-LOAN-ME or log on to LOANME.com for the money you need. That's 8443-LOAN-ME or LOANME.com. Not all applicants will qualify. Loan approval and terms subject to credit standards. See LOANME.com for details. Loans made pursuant to California Department of Business Oversight Finance Lender License 603-K061. That's 8443-LOAN-ME or LOANME.com. Home of the smartest listeners in Southern California. Talk Radio 790-KABC. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew, Midday Live, Talk Radio 790-KABC. John Phillips coming in out of the snow here, literally. I'm in New York City. Lauren is in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and John looked like, um, he was covered with ice, about the best I can say it. It's snowing wow, heavily out here. it looks really rough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, totally different. <laughs> And so, yeah, then where you are. Um, so what got our conversation going about nationalism and patriotism is I, I just realized that when somebody says the word nationalism, a certain percentage of people hear patriotism and a certain percentage of people hear white nationalism. And it, it just struck me as peculiar that that we have sort of given so much energy to these words uh, and then and then hold each other accountable for using them in ways that don't hurt us. And I understand that if, if you are affected by a word in such a way that it's, it, it literally cuts through you in some sort of, it has a meaning that, that I don't understand, say, or I think it's different. 
I, I'm very interested in not using that word, but I'm just wondering why. Well, why in the we... article you sent me, and here this might shed some light on it, nationalism centers on a country's culture, language, and often race. Mm. And it may include, you know, shared literature or arts, but it's primarily driven by cultural associations. So if you were perhaps an immigrant to this country or a family were immigrants to this country, and uh, you might feel that the push for nationalism is for a time before you showed up. Which is oh, that's interesting. That's I didn't even thought about that piece. That's another piece again. Which is why uh, I think President Trump uses it so much. It, well, or, or let's at least say this: why it would be disturbing to people to hear him use it, right? right. Uh, and and I, I'm trying not to read his mind because that's yeah, that's, that's a, that's, a that's, fool's that's, errand. I know it's impossible. <laughs> Uh, but uh, again, and I guess it's uh, the shift in demographics and thing we're all dealing with, but, but I wish we would, um, not react rather than maybe, you know, I think people react to the most, oh, I was going to send you another uh, video. Did you see this guy that was uh, saying Heil Hitler screaming at a Jewish guy in New York city today? No, but it sounds yeah, wonderful. He was on Facebook. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to co copy it and send it. I, and and uh, and I thought, oh well, that's going to go. He was allegedly arrested for a hate crime, and I thought, oh well, that's going to go down on the hate crime statistics. Now let me explain what this was. This was a. It looked like a homeless person, so I mean, it's somebody with severe mental illness who was railing about all kinds of things. And you're not allowed to do that on the streets. You're going to get arrested if you behave violently and wildly on the streets. And not always, he, but well, people, unfortunately, yeah, you're, you you are you're potentially going to be arrested. Yeah, you can, the, the police can't yeah. arrest you. Let's put it that way. And he saw this Jewish gentleman, who I guess was he to have seen him or something, and he started doing that to him. The guy was psychotic. He, he was doing all kinds of crazy things. But because it got caught on video, oh, here's more hate crime. Here's more hate crime. And and the guy himself was an, an ethnic minority, a racial minority. And, and I thought, I, we have to, like, really parse out what we're calling hate and not. Because uh, the headline was, a, a hate crime in New York. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I mean, right, it wasn't a cool thing, and it wasn't, uh, it was an expression of hatred, but it, it was, somebody was not well, and uh, who knows what was going yeah. on there. I, I mean, what if they screamed out the N-word, or the, you know, would have been the same? It would have been, it right? would have been. You know, it's not... It, it's unpleasant. For some reason, have... I think to me, like a hate crime is like, you know, vandalizing a synagogue, or tombstones, yes. or... Something like that. Not that it has to be property driven, but just screaming someone at s something at someone. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess it's considered a hate crime, but um... well, he was arrested, and I think he was arrested for you know disorderly conduct or whatever that, that would go down as. But it got the headline of hate crime caught on camera, and I'm just you know this is again to me this is back to our language police thing. It's like we're, we're we've gone a little off the rail, and we have to kind of you know put our arms around somebody like that and go dude come on let's let's i don't know do if you saw a white guy screaming the n-word at someone who's black walking down the street wouldn't you consider that a hate crime yeah yeah but so, if he were if he were a homeless person who was also you know yelling about something else that was not connected to reality i i'd urge people to go okay uh, but look uh, um mel gibson was drunk when he made anti-semitic remarks well you're, you know, you're, uh, that's an interesting how much uh, interesting how much do, very interesting how much do we do we allow for before we hold somebody accountable um i would argue that that there were a few uh, here's where i hold it as always is hey if you don't get treatment it's on you so if the guy then resisted treatment then we could hold him a little bit accountable we've got to take well, a little break uh, got some calls lawrence vaughn dr drew it's midday live
Welcome back to Midday Live. Oh, I didn't know if you were there. I'm talking to John Phillips. What am I going to do? I was getting an update on Jillian, actually. Oh, good. Yeah, so it's all good. Uh, let's get this call in here. Uh, that was a really interesting point, though, Lauren. I, I, I'm going to be ruminating about that and wake up again disturbed tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I get in the shower and I start thinking about these things. Um, go ahead there, uh, Joe. Joe. No, this yeah. is Steve. Steve, go ahead. Whatever. Uh, this is my uh, interpretation of patriotism and nationalism. Patriotism yeah. is you're willing to fight for your country. You're willing to send your children to... To military to fight for the country. Nationalism is is you take care of the United States first, then help the world second. Would one of that's the a, what, okay? I, I think that's getting close to a lot of people's understanding. And and if you were a patriot, um, wouldn't you then, because you're sort of so focused on the the what you're fighting for, so to speak, wouldn't the symbols of nationalism be meaningful to you and you'd be upset if somebody didn't pay respect to them? Does that is that the side effect of patriotism? Uh, no, no, because I believe that we cannot afford to be uh, national nationalists. We need the rest of the world to survive. No, no, but I think well. you missed my point. I, I'm wondering if people that are patriots have an intolerance to people who see their patriotic duty to you know use things like the symbols that maybe they had fought for as their patriotic duty those you know attack those symbols as part of their patriotic duty to you know change policy and to call into question some of the deficiencies of our country yeah well, i'm not i'm yeah that's not not following about that one <laughs> yeah okay you know what i'm saying lauren right yeah and i and i think i think that's that's we end up we the point and my and really my point behind all that is we end up fighting about nothing what are we really fighting about you know, it's like, oh, you won't stand for the flag. Oh, okay, what? That's you know, that's I, I understand. But is it worth it to to get into us being so severely divided because of that? I mean, yes, I understand people have fought for that flag. I don't think I we're divided because of that. I think it's just another symptom of the. Division. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. But I mean, there's an opportunity there to calm it down a little bit and learn and by pay attention to what other people but i think when it comes to the president as you know as well uh, as i do the, he does not want to calm it down he loves using well, inflammatory language I, but they, and he gets we, the results that he expects can't we rise above that do we have to feed into it do you, if you if you are somebody who really uh, i mean for to, example how do we let's say as the media rise above it when we have to cover the president we have to use what he said we have to quote him. I mean, no, and I if he's talking about these things that are getting people angry, it's not like we can't repeat them. No, I understand. I understand. But I think, let's say you're somebody that hates Donald Trump. Uh, wouldn't it be a more productive uh, sort of response to him to ignore him and to create unity with your peers and create... How can you do that? He's the president of the United States. It's not ignorable. No, you're, you're right. You're right. Uh, again, as always, you're right. It's, it's a good <laughs> no. You're, you're right, but I would still argue you can not feed into the frenzy. You know, I, I, some people call to it, a certain somebody, extent, what, okay? What, I think sometimes our... Jim Acosta feeds into that frenzy, but I think as members of the media, it is very difficult to cover this president and not and not feed into this division. You, you're covering a president who says inflammatory things every single day. Did you did you hear one of our callers yesterday call it the Trump derangement syndrome? Did you notice that? Yeah, well, a lot of people call it that. But the truth is, how do you cover what he's doing without covering what he's saying? It's a very difficult thing to do. I, I agree. I, I, I And I would argue that you it's okay to cover what he's saying, but not 
Not then to get into the outrage machine, and you know how can so, so. people are outraged by what he says? It's just no, no, it's just I the way understand. it is. I, I know, I get it. I look, so I understand. I'm looking for solutions here. I'm looking for ways to. I think that you need to have find a different leader that that well, wants that, to work in the be, other direction. Come, in a few more years, we will. Two or four, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be what's going to be. And yes, then there will be. Okay, we got to run here. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm going to go out into the snow. Good Lauren, luck. Good luck. Thank Dr. you so much. Drew. You're going to have John Phillips, uh, Lawrence Vaughn, Doctor Drew. This has been Midday Live.